0: Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. I'm your host, J.T. Ayers. I've said it a thousand times. I'm going to say it again right now because it's true. You need to go to ontrackandfield.com. They have everything you need for track and field equipment and more. They don't just have track and field stuff. They have equipment and they work nationally. They have everything you need. And I love working with them. I love being part of their company. They sponsor this podcast, but I'm a head coach. I use them to help supply my team with what we need to make sure we're successful. You need to as well on trackandfield.com. With me right now is Bobby Stroop, friend. We actually spoke in a clinic in Dallas, became quick friends while he's driving me to a gas station to say, in Dallas, this is where the best food is. And you know what? (laughs) He was not wrong. Bobby Stroop is the founder and president of Athlete Performance Enhancement Center, better known as APEC. He's directed human performance for over 20 years, expanding his influence now as a consultant in pretty much all Kansas City and Missouri, the entire state. Anything that's professional, he's taking care of it as well as many other things. He's coaching ranges from youth athletes to some of the top names in professional sports. That's right. Some of the best athletes in the world right now. Guys like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Jalen Hurts, and a bunch of baseball players all look to this guy to help them get ready for their game and for their careers. It's really cool to have you on here, Bobby. And I'm really excited to talk with you,
1: man. It's good to see you and uh, talk to you and yeah, our Bucky's trip kind of bonded us. That was, that was, that was the the bonding time for us.
0: Yeah, man. You let me, you let me sit shotgun and then you're like, ready, let's go. And that you, your big tricked out <laughs> truck. I mean, it was the most Dallas thing I've ever done in my life and I got all of it. It was, it was great. So let's just start right uh, right now. I mean, if anybody follows you on social media, they're going to find that some of the things you do, and I'm going to use air quotes and you may not agree with me, but this is some unconventional things. Like when you do things with your athletes and you even post things that like what Patrick will do on a Sunday game day, the way he moves, how he's like getting contorted in different ways and how like you show, oh, we, we trained for this. We are prepared for this. When that unconventional kind of do things differently, rebel talent, how did you get that way and why are you that way?
1: First off, I appreciate that. You, that that's quite an honor for you to speak to me that way. I think that, you know, I just probably look at things a little bit differently. Um, how, I, how I got to this point was really from being the opposite in the beginning. I was very rigid, very much by the book, uh, strength conditioning. uh SCA, NASM protocols. And what I found is that my, my athletes, their vertical jumps were going up, their 40 times were getting faster, their pro agility times are getting better, their hang clings, squat maxes, all this stuff was getting better, but my athletes were not performing better on the field. And when I say that, I mean that the, the margin of improvement in the weight room and the margin of improvement in the timing that I had did not equal the margin of improvement that I saw on the field or court. And that, that affected me on a high level because I was, I was working in a small town and I started a business in a small town and, and results are one thing to talk about. But when you start hearing that, well, maybe this training doesn't work or maybe they're inflating their numbers, that's because they're not seeing that transfer over to the field. And that uh, really lit a fire underneath me to go find out and investigate, you know, where, where are some ways that I can bridge these gaps? And, and not necessarily get into skill coaching, but have a better understanding of the demands of sport and look at ways that I can find um, low-hanging fruit to, to, to meet these demands of sport. And that's where it started for me.
0: Well, okay. So you have all these, you know, guys and gals coming to you and they're high, high performance athletes and at the highest level in many respects. How do you even identify the issues that these athletes need? Or is there a foundational thing that all athletes need. And then you are picking and choosing. I mean, how do you even do that? I mean, I think
1: there's a hierarchy of needs, right? So I look at them as a human being first, and then they need to be identified as a male or female from biological and physiological demands. And then after that, we look at the sports that they play and then the positions they play and then the way that they play it um, according to the gifts and the tools that they have. And so that's probably where I differentiate from a lot of coaches in that I, I will follow that hierarchy all the way to the bottom and there's a percentage of training dedicated to, to, to each uh, layer of cake as you, as I've talked about before with our cake system. So basically you just have to try to be open-minded to identifying talent um, with unique physical gifts with each individual. Now you can't do that with everyone. And there are some things that are non-negotiable that we have to work on. And the principles of human performance can't be forsaken for, you know, sprinkles on the cupcake. You've got to still take care of your business. You've got to get strong. You've got to run fast. You've got to maintain mobility, flexibility, and stability standards. But then, at some points, uh, there is opportunity to investigate things that are that are out of the box, as you said.
0: Okay, so I'm a track and field coach. You are pretty much a biomechanics, sports, you know, performance, all encompassing. You do everything. So there, I heard you talk, and I was sitting in. I was eating something awful from that gas station you sent me to. And then um, I'm listening to you talking. You're talking about this thing called vectors. Can you explain what a vector is? Because when you're done, I'm going to tell kind of our, our listening audience how I've utilized it. And it's really like all encompassing helped my track program immensely. So explain what a vector is. You know, what, what, are, the, what are we looking for when we're doing these things? And then I want to give a little quick you know, update to my team.
1: So force vectors, power vectors, it's, it's, this isn't starting in training. This is something that's been out there in physics and, and other, um, different arenas for a long time, but it's basically the coordinates of an initial point to a terminal point. And if you want to go further, it, there's, it's an object with magnitude and direction. And the way we made this simple is we took an X and then we took a T, you take an X and a T and you stay in the middle, you have eight points. Now, what I found is that most athletes, they cannot balance in eight directions on a single leg. And until they can do that, then their ability to produce power in eight different directions or vectors is probably going to be limited. So this all started with us investigating and looking at ways to get athletes on the return to play protocol uh, faster and return, not just return to competition, but return to play at a high level. And these things started to, to expand and grow as we worked with them more. And Gary Gray uh, probably exposed me to the first uh, vector thought process with his, um, with his approach in physical therapy. And then we just expanded it in the performance realm into doing different types of leaps and jumps and throws. And it, it really has become a, a mainstay for our training. Really with every athlete, no matter who you are or what you do, uh, we found that this can help. And... Not only does it help with power production and stability, it can help decrease injuries and it can also help um, with the athlete's ability to fill themselves in space. And you can really identify some weaknesses for their body by just going over some basic balance reaches uh, with your lower body and your upper body. And you start expanding that out into leaps into different directions and you can build out a movement profile and show the weaknesses and strengths of athletes. And I think that's where you can really do some things with the vector system.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, obviously this podcast is geared more towards specifically track and field, but we, I mean, if track and field, they're athletes first and foremost. So what right. I do with my athletes is we have a recovery day after, a, you know, a couple of days of hard work and I'm putting vectors down. In fact, I don't mean I've seen things on Twitter and I've seen what you have too, um, where there literally is an X and a T, a lowercase T painted onto the ground. Okay. Or there's spots where you can do things but I simply just printed out what you've created and give it to my coaches. I said, you know, athletes need to reach as far as they can or they need to yep. step as far as they can. in all these different, you know, uh, rotational movement spots, uh, lunge, hop, do all these things. Um, it helps their hips. It helps their, you know, their knees, their quads, their hamstrings. Um, I've seen shin splints go down. It's been this really interesting thing that we're telling kids and telling athletes to move in different directions. So, I've been a benefit because I've listened to you talk, and I you sent me the PowerPoint. Where can people go find vectors on online? Where can we find this? That's something you've created.
1: I think Gary Gray is a good resource too, uh, the, the gift program, and then any AFS principles. So applied functional science. There's going to be information out there. As far as myself um, at Team APAC, and then following me on on Twitter and Instagram. Um, there, there's plenty of information out there about the vectors. I think, I think though, what's most important is to understand what it's doing is that you're you're gonna recalibrate the hips when you when you reach and far as going for balance in eight different directions, that's gonna reset your reset your hip girdle. And it really works on the tuberosity, of the hamstring, and some of those things. So when you do that on one leg, it's a completely different experience for the body than doing it on the opposite leg. It can really reset some things that we do to ourselves through training adaptations. And that's where I think you're seeing some of the decreases in, uh, in injuries and shin splints and things like that is because the differentiation and the angular movement patterns, the stability and flexibility required to get there from the ankle and the foot. Then it really opens the body up. I think where you've put it on a recovery day is really, really smart. I think that's a, the, the right place for it.
0: Oh, cool. Well, thanks for the affirmation. <laughs> I'll take it any day, especially from you. <laughs> no, that's awesome. All right. So let's, this It's a nice seamless transition into, um, a lot of a lot of coaches are going to be listening to this podcast, a lot of performance coaches, track coaches, football coaches and some athletes. What are we not doing that we should be doing more of? Where are you seeing some of these like because you're seeing it from a different perspective inside that we ever will. Where can we learn and grow as performance coaches? And I you mean, know, where is your expertise kind of leading us? And where do you see in this day and age with athletes that we have? What should we work in more on?
1: I think it's a great question. You know, listen, I I started working with athletes at the youth level and I've never learned more than with that population. I can I, I think that that is the most fertile ground for improvement and testing logic and training. So, I think you're in the right spot and and when I want to go test theories, that's that's where I go first. And so I think that you guys are in a prime position for that. I think the future for us is understanding the soft tissue better, understanding the differences between tendons and ligaments and muscles. And fascia, that is going to affect the way we train our athletes. And I think that we've been caught up in muscles for the last 40 years too much. And we're not paying attention enough to tendon and ligament differentiation and health and the fascial system. I think studying the fascial system, understanding what is needed to help athletes with that. um, And then soft tissue therapy. There's no reason that We shouldn't be more educated on things that we can do to help our athletes work on themselves, whether it be with the RPR system or some of these other things that are out that I think that have made a lot of headway and a lot of impact. I think that is the new uh, frontier. I think people know how to get strong. And I think that um, the speed development world has definitely progressed. But I think that we have a lot to go as far as understanding the properties of these soft tissues and how to train them individually and collectively.
0: And this is also something that a high school gym teacher coach can learn. I mean, these are things that aren't, you have to go get a, you know, PhD in biomechanics or, you know, kinesiology or physiological aspects of the body. You don't have to do that. So, no. all right. So like, help me out, help us out. Where can we learn something? What resources can you gear, like push us towards just to learn more?
1: You know, there's a lot out there. I'm so... (laughs) I'm so ADD. I try to have something that I'm reading all the time. Um, I think there's a lot of resources out there. You know, there's books on fascia that haven't even been touched. There's, there's plenty. There's one that's titled fascia. I don't know the the name of the author right now off the top of my head. Um, and then there's different practices out there. Like Gavoyer has done, uh, some things with his Eldoa sequences. And I think those are huge. The Eldoas, as I know you're familiar with and Kula's familiar with and others, um, but there's a lot out there as far as what what is available to start to look at. I think I think where we have to start though is that understanding that ligaments need to be tight, tendons need to have the ability to have tension and also mobility. Then the muscle properties. I think we've well covered that and what needs to happen there. Myofibular adaptation is way more important for performance than sarcoplasmic adaptation. In fact, sarcoplasmic adaptation or the pulling of of basically fluid uh, for muscle for show can actually affect performance negatively that's been proved uh, by Washington University. And then then understanding the fascial system is going to coordinate these things and how can we activate this through rocks and reaches and twists and and warmups and different movements that keep our body prime and really optimize the resources of the body, which are the muscles, the skeletal system, the tendons and the ligaments. Um, I would love to point you guys in one direction. I think it's more of a big picture, open-minded view and trying to seek out, um, you know, what is best Pro- probably, the, like I said before, the best information that I've come across is in the applied functional science uh, field, um, that they have created, which is basically a conglomerate of high-level physios, um, therapists, uh, professors of biomechanics, strength conditioning coaches, Premier League, all all over the world. And they've had the the biggest impact on my thought process. Now, I will caution you and say that if you try to go too far down that functional route, you can really get yourself into a situation where you, you forsake the things that make these athletes what they are. And so there are some people that, that prescribe to some of these functional things that can really get lost, uh, in the forest of yeah. the trees. And it's, it, it can be, it can be, it can be a problem. So I would caution you with that. Cause you can, you can really go down a rabbit hole. They can, you can get lost.
0: Yeah. Cause the main thing needs to stay the main thing. And the athlete right. in front of you is the athlete in front of you, like, you know, and that kid and that guy or that girl or whatever, they're going to be, you know, motivated and they're going to need different things in different ways. Um, I hear you loud and clear, man. And, and so wait, I mean, are you saying that people aren't just born with these great things and, and we can't be trained? I mean, that's what you're saying. I mean, we it's probably, mind blowing.
1: We probably are. We probably screwed up, but yeah, more often than not, <laughs> you've got to nurture these things to bring them out. So I, you know, people will tell me how naturally gifted someone is. And, you know, I've seen a lot of gifted people, but the ones that are successful are really the ones that, nurture their gifts that focus on what it is that they need to do to separate themselves or identify themselves as someone that's got unique abilities that they're going to use in a sport. And I, I think that that's important. And I think that that's something that's new because before, before the last you know five to seven years, it's more or less been, you know, almost the Chinese model is like, this works. And if it doesn't work, it's more like your problem and it'll work for someone else. And mm-hmm. I think that we're better than that. And I think that, um, I think even in China, they've moved on from that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, probably. In fact, I'm a little surprised you didn't just say like, you know, triceps and saunas. I mean, that's all you really need.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I've been told. I mean, I've had some critics that have told me, you know, triceps will refer to triceps quite a bit. So,
0: yeah, there you go. So, um, (laughs) it's a running joke on this podcast and in my life for no reason, but it's just funny. So, uh, okay. So, like, I think it's really, really fascinating. In fact. I'm just going to say right now, if you're listening to this and you're not following Bobby on Twitter during a Sunday NFL game, your life is not as good as it could be. So that as soon as the fall comes back up, your hot takes are like my favorite thing. I'm literally watching red zone with my children and I have, you know, my phone right there and my kids are interested too. And they think it's fascinating. So, um, you know, okay, let me just kind of move towards this as we wrap up. Um, when we're talking about all this kind of functional training and things like that, how do you, like you're, you're a go-getter. And you even just alluded to it earlier saying ADD, this has nothing to do with maybe what we were going to kind of talk about, but how do you personally go so hard, grind so hard and kind of don't burn out to be quite honest, you know, and you're a good dad, good husband. You just moved your family to Missouri to take care of them. And you're doing all these other things. Is there things that we're not doing that you're doing that we can learn from?
1: No, I don't think so. Listen, you give me way too much credit. I, you know, I did go through burnout and I'm, I'm more of a cautionary tale than an example. And, you know, look, I started this business in 2005 and I went all in and I wanted to change things. You know, I wanted to affect the profession in a way that really changed it. I don't like the strength coach moniker. I think it's not fair. I think it's very limited to what we can do for people. And I think it's very limited to what we can do for teams. And I think it doesn't, It doesn't communicate uh, who we are within teams or who we are for our sport coaches or our kids. And I wanted to change that, you know, and I had a, I had a personal attachment to the profession for what it did for me and how it changed the way I looked at myself. And I wanted to be that person for kids in the future. And so when I, when I started this out, I I never envisioned working with any pro athletes. That was never a goal or a dream or anything. I just wanted to help the kids like, like me, that were like me, um, that needed the help that needed the confidence that needed someone to believe in them and and give them good training so that they can compete and feel good about themselves. And that's where it started. And I'll tell you, I mean, there were, I didn't have a full-time employee that worked for me for the first 11 years of my business. And there was more than a decade than when it was, you know, 4am to 9pm Monday through Thursday, Um, Friday, Know probably f- five PM till about seven PM. You know, Saturdays seven to noon, and Sundays off. But typically on Saturday nights and Sundays, we were going to games to support people. So it was a it was a heavy investment, and I got lucky, and I ran across some great people that carried me and gave me uh, opportunities, and and those things parlayed into me being able to to leverage that for a different life now, but. I will say that I don't know how we fix it, but our profession is, is, it's it's tough. I mean, there's a few different routes. All of them are hard. Um, I think for me, I just, I'm an extreme planner and I, I was very fortunate that everything I planned on doing, it eventually worked out. It didn't always go the way that I thought it would, um, but, and it took a lot longer than I expected, but we did get, we did get there. And I think, I think for as coaches, we're not very good at making plans for ourselves. We're good at making plans for others. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think if anything, you know, I, I tried to stick to the, the plan and, um, and I think that was, that worked out for, for me at this point, but to say that I prevented burnout was probably giving me too much credit. I mean, I was, I got to the point where it was difficult. Like I've told you, you know, Managing business is not something that I ever wanted to do. And I got I got into a situation where I was doing that, you know, after I got over that initial grind of the coaching part, I was managing business 90% of my time and I didn't want to do that either. And so then I had to really deal with myself and that just saying like, you know, you created this situation and you've got to figure out a way to make this better for your employees and your family. And your athletes, and so that that that's probably a different podcast for a different time, but um there, there's definitely a lot to that journey and i'm I'm very blessed to be where I'm at
0: love it, man. We love following you and love seeing like what you're doing with our favorite athletes in the world and so my fantasy football team thanks you as well, so I appreciate <laughs> it
1: um we'll be better
0: yeah of, of course uh okay, what are you most excited about right now as we wrap up the podcast? like what are you doing right now that you're like this is it. This is cool. This is great. I'm excited about this.
1: Well, it's baseball season. So I'm really excited. I'm always excited and optimistic going into these seasons because I, I feel like there's a great opportunity to train these athletes during the season. And so I've got some new tricks up my sleeve for baseball players during the year. Uh, We're, we're going to very, um, I would say responsibly test these theories and I'm excited to see what it's going to do. Now, that is me assuming that they're actually going to play baseball. So we're going to need for them to work that out first.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. But once they work
1: that out, you know, I'm really excited about that. I've, I've got some, but there's some great talents that we get to work with that are going to be huge uh, this year in major league baseball. And I'm excited to um, see them do their thing and then test some of our theories and and push them forward.
0: My man, never boring. That's for sure. Let's, um, (laughs) Okay. Where can we follow you? I know you got uh, your, your Twitter account. Do you have any other social media that we could be following? Uh, you know, lay it on us. Cause we are fans and we want to continue to, you know, see what you're doing out there.
1: So on Instagram at Stroop Bob, that's S T R O U P E B O B. And then uh, on Twitter at Bobby Stroop. So those are probably my most active platforms. Um, I definitely try to respond anytime that I can. I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter and Instagram, both. Um, sorry about sometimes I have some dark humor. <laughs> so <laughs> please forgive me. And now that I know more kids are following me on Twitter, I'm going to do better. I'll be better. JT. I promise you.
0: Well, no complaints from me. I appreciate everything. <laughs> this is great. Um, is awesome having you, man. I really appreciate it. This uh, podcast is brought to you by On Track and Fields, OnTrackAndFields.com, and RelayBatons.com. Relay Batons will also they'll engrave a baton for you and send it out. In fact, Bobby, just for coming on this podcast, um, we're gonna send you a kind of engraved cool mug. And uh, what's cool about it? They sent me one as well. Your coffee stays hot all freaking day. It's unbelievable. It's like mad science. So you're going to get that. That's and awesome. Um, yeah, relaybatons.com will, will hook you up with that. Well, without further ado, I'm just going to cue the voice that talks after me. His name's Steve. He has big triceps and he's a beautiful man.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's On Track and Field podcast with this week's guest, Bobby Stroop. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com. Custom engraved, meet and competition legal relay batons, perfect for team branding, awards, and guaranteed to make your relay team faster or your money back. And on TrackAndField.com, everything you need for the cross country or track and field athlete, coach, or team, and save up to fifteen percent when you enter the word Track Talk at checkout. Some exclusive. Supply. And make sure to follow us on the gram and Twitter at on track the letter N field. At on track and field.